Hello, Mike Lombardo here. I wanted to take a moment and invite you to Awaken Dallas. My wife and I planted a church in the central northern Dallas area at the beginning of this year. We launched out on Resurrection Sunday. I wanted to invite you. We meet Sundays at 4 p.m., and our vision is to know Jesus deeply and to live for him passionately. First, we must know him, and that will empower great exploits. Our mission is to ignite a movement of spirit-filled disciples, disciples that students of the King, that we would burn with first love passion and that we'd be equipped to spread the gospel to the world around us in love and power. Our four pillars are the presence of God, number one. That is everything to us. We prioritize his presence. We love him. We want to know him. We want to carry him to the world around us. It's his presence that distinguishes us from the nations of the world. Number two, that we would be equipped, that we need to be equipped for the work of service, for our callings. This is very important. The foundation of the word of God, of spiritual fathers and mothers, to be able to be sharpened by the word, healed by the word of God. So we need to be equipped for our callings. Number three, we are a church on mission together. We all have a sphere to influence. We all have a calling and a people group to influence for the gospel, to be a light, a city set on a hill. And as a church, we are fulfilling the great commission. And number four, we are a spiritual family. We all need a community. We all need to spur one another on towards good works and to meet together, to not neglect that, to have a spiritual community and family. And so if you want to come join us, it's Sundays at 4 p.m. We'd love to have you. You could also go to www.awakendialis.com, which will be in the description section. Hello, hello, Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. It is my joy to be with you. We have an, we have an amazing guest today on Awaken Podcast. For those who are new to the show, we have an episode releasing every Monday on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You can also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to. You could also go to YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, look up Michael Lombardo or Awaken Podcast, and you could tap in there. You could subscribe, like, comment, so we can get this out to more people so they can be blessed, awakened, stirred by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for those of you that are continually watching and listening, thank you so much for sharing this. Thank you so much for being a part. Every single week, we're nearing 250 episodes now since 2020. And so it's incredible. There's hundreds of free um, hours of teaching as well as interviews from amazing leaders in the body of Christ missionaries, saints, pastors, prophetic voices, teachers in the body of Christ from around the world. And so I love this. I enjoy this podcast so much. Ephesians 5.14, awake, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. The apostle Paul said that to believers, not unbelievers. We need to be awakened to the beauty of Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We need to know who we are in Christ, what Jesus truly did for us in his life, death, resurrection, ascension, and releasing his Holy Spirit to us on Pentecost. We need to know the tools that we've been given so we could effectually destroy the works of the enemy and establish the kingdom of God on the earth. And so um, today I've got an amazing man of God um, on this with me. I've had the joy and the honor of serving him. I've known him Well, I met him in 2015 after I got a copy of the Song of Songs out of the Passion Translation. I've had him on the podcast a few times as well. And so this is your first time tuning in to Awaken Podcasters episodes you could tune 
tune into previously from the past few years. But um, this is Dr. Brian Simmons. Um, Brian, along with his wife, Candice, have been described as true pioneers in ministry. He's a spiritual father and mother. They teach um, all across the world of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, he's, they've been missionaries. Um, they've been, they've been married over 50 years, him and his wife, Candace, they've been missionaries. He'll probably talk a little bit about that. He's a pastor for many years up in Connecticut. He's done much traveling around the world, teaching and preaching the gospel of Jesus. And also, um, uh, when I wonder when I'm, I'm gonna I'll ask him when he comes on, but he's also the lead translator of the Passion Translation. So many of you know of the translation. If you haven't, you should get your hands on it. And so, Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Michael, good to see you again, my friend. <laughs> Always good to be with you. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Love it. Yeah. And so for those who are maybe new to your ministry and new to the Passion Translation, translation, you know, I gave a little overview, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, yeah, uh, Candace and I, 52 years together, three kids, 11, grand, 11 kids, uh, grandkids, and four great-grandchildren. I was going to so say, 11 blessed. kids, all right. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to share that with my wife. It'll be a big surprise to her. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just happy campers in every way. We've uh, followed Jesus without an intermission for over 50 years, like mm. you said, as tribal missionaries in the rainforest where we learned an unwritten language mm. and uh, helped translate the New Testament. And uh, of course, pastored for 18 years. And now 15 years, Michael, I've been working every day on the Passion Translation mm. Project, nearing completion. And the next, uh, I'm going to say within four to five years, we'll be finished, God willing. I'm in the book of Deuteronomy right now, getting so blessed. I'm learning so much. What a humbling, humbling job I have. <laughs> so for those who are new to the Passion Translation, uh, let them know what's available right now in the Passion, the New Testament, the old books, the Old Testament books. Right. Yeah, we've got, uh, uh, we have from Matthew to Revelation, the New mm -hmm. Testament, we have uh, Song of Songs, Proverbs, and Psalms all combined into the New Testament. I've got a copy right here. Mm -hmm. And then we've got Isaiah. Um, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and Genesis, and awesome. uh, kind of a, a you know a scattered collection of the Old Testament. But I'm now working consecutively through uh, the Old Testament. Uh, we've still got the history books, and can't wait to do the Book of Job. <laughs> and Leviticus. That'll be a good one to dive into. Well, I've done Leviticus. Yeah. I, oh, yeah? I, I lived through Leviticus. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. And so just to give a sneak peek to those who are waiting, what is the next book to be released? Is it Deuteronomy or is it something else? No, it'll be Jeremiah. Jeremiah and Lamentations will be out by October. Out by October. Okay. So that's a little bit yeah. of a sneak peek there for those who are ready and those who are hungry for the next uh, the next books to come out. And so, and then also we're going to jump right into our conversation, but we're going to be talking about a devotional that you just released, but what other books do you have? Because you have a, a wonderful commentary on the Song of Songs that I would highly recommend, but how do people get more in touch with your ministry? What other books do you have that people can, you have, you have incredible resources out there. 
Well, yeah, if you uh, put my name in the Amazon search or uh, the Passion Translation, it'll it'll pop up. Uh, I think we actually have about 120 titles yeah. on Amazon right now. So we have a series of devotional, I call it devotional commentaries. Mm-hmm. They are uh, not academic necessarily, but they are devotional in length and in content. So we're trying to link people's hearts to the Word of God and to the the rich history we have uh, of our faith. I've got a book called Throne Room Prayer of Praying on the Sea of Glass with Jesus Christ. Mm. We have uh, we have a trilogy on the book of Genesis, uh, the Joshua generation. Mm. One of my favorites is Not Guilty. We mm. have a book called Not Guilty, and it's uh, out of the book of Romans. <laughs> and uh, I feel like every believer should read that book. Of course, yeah. you know, I'm prejudiced. I wrote them, so... <laughs> <laughs> and so one uh, what I love about you so much is that um there's many things but when it comes to the spirit of God you know you've lived you know you've been a minister over 50 years but you've truly lived first love passion for the Lord you love his presence you love his power you love yeah. his glory miracle signs and wonders but you love the word of God we need that marriage of the word and the spirit so important yeah, I, I like to say the, the Holy Spirit is the spouse of the Word of God, mm. and the Word of God is the spouse of the Spirit. They're mm. married. They'll never separate or file for divorce. If you get one, you get the other. It's kind of like you and Selena or Candace and I, uh, we're a twofer. And so yeah. you can't just pursue the Holy Spirit without a passionate hunger for the Word of God and vice versa. You cannot say you're a Word person, but you uh, you don't give your heart over moment by moment to walking in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's so important, especially nowadays. You know, I, I feel like in the charismatic world, we love the Holy Spirit, the signs and wonders, the gold dust and all that stuff. But, you know, uh, we, we push to the side the preaching of the word. It doesn't have its important place or people aren't talking about the word as much. Or on the other side, we got a lot of people that say, yeah, the Holy Spirit just reveals to us the word of God, but they push away the encounters that are transformational and the daily, you know, being filled with the spirit of God. And so anyways, I uh, this is this is something that we need to keep preaching and teaching and walking in and, you know, expressing in the world. And so um, today I want to talk to you about something that is so near and dear to my heart and should be to all of us as believers, but the love of God. And you just released a devotional. Actually, it's a 365-day devotional from the Gospel of John. And so I'm sure you have all the quotes from John from the Passion Translation. There it is. Um, And it's entitled, God is Love. And so why make a devotional on the Gospel of John? Oh, John stands out. You know, the synoptic Gospels, synoptic basically means similar. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all kind of basic, have a similar approach to the life of Jesus, whereas John focuses on the the seven miracles. The eighth mm-hmm. miracle would be his resurrection. But John has a new approach to the life of Jesus. And then First John tells us those beautiful words, God is love. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, I, this is the favorite topic of mine, uh, perhaps yours as well. And how can you ever OD on the love of God? <laughs> Uh, we'll never, we should never get tired of talking about the love of God. His love, there's so many things in life that are inconsistent. There's so many things in life that are up and down. There's so many things that change, but the love of God never changes. It's our, he's our constant in every single way. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's the Hebrew word chesed. 
And there, uh, there is no English equivalent to that Hebrew concept, that Hebrew term. Books have been written, and there'll be more books written on that one Hebrew word, probably the most important word in all the Bible, chesed. And of course, in Greek, it, it is agape, agapao. But the chesed of God is the faithful covenant love. There's a sense in which, and I hope you'll understand what I mean by this, but there's a sense in which God has to love you. It's who he is. Mm -hmm. If he stopped loving you, he would stop being God. He stopped being who he is. So the, the love of God, of all the terms John used to describe it, he basically just nails it. He said, God is love. And you know, Michael, I know a Western Christian did not write that verse because <laughs> if it was a Western believer that yeah. wrote that verse, it would be a huge footnote saying, oh, but don't take it too far. Oh, but God is also holy. You know, John just left it raw right out of the can. He just popped the top and there it is, just deal with it. And I think yeah. we Americans, North Americans, we got to deal with that. What are you going to do with that one, three words uh, that one phrase, God is love. If you don't know love, you don't know God. Mm -hmm. If you know God, you're going to express that love because God is love. Mm -hmm. I think we need to focus on that more. What if our gospel preaching, what if our Sunday sermonizing, what if all of our podcasts and, and teachings centered around the love theology? Um, I, I just... You know, it's the fruit of the Spirit, mm -hmm. and that ends the statement of the fruit of the Spirit with the nine as fruit, as everybody talks about. The very final statement is, against these things, there is no prohibition. Mm -hmm. There is no limit to the love of God. God will never rebuke you for being too loving. He'll never stop you and say, now, you need to have a little bit of balance here. You know what? God is love. Try telling God to get balanced yeah. with how he loves his people. <laughs> uh, yeah. so loved the world. He loved the world so much. He offered, he sacrificed, he gave his uniquely born, uniquely conceived, unique in every way son, mm -hmm. so that we who could believe in him would have everlasting life. John 3.16, I mean, maybe we need to have a Tim Tebow moment and put it on our foreheads and under our eyes, whatever. <laughs> but I'm telling you, let's come back to the love gospel. Yeah. Yeah. The other day there was a woman over our house and uh, she was doing some work at the house. We found out she was a Christian. We began talking to her a little bit. We told her how we planted a church called Awaken Dallas. And she was asking, oh, exactly where you are. We have just small talk. And then she goes, well, what do you, because it was Sunday morning. She goes, so what are you preaching on, you know, today? And I was preaching on the love of God. And I was talking specifically about first love. And so I just looked at her, said, I'm talking about the love of God today. And she looked at me and she was like, Oh, almost like, isn't that for kids ministry? Like, isn't that for Sunday school? Like real deep message, like the love of God. You know what I mean? I just looked at her and smiled and nodded my head. There's no reason for me to explain anything any further. We're talking about the love of God today. And so, and then she was just like, okay. And then she told me what they were sharing at her church. They're on some study of some deep study or something. And I was like, okay, cool. That's amazing. You know, I'm not against talking about, you know, other things that are in the word of God. We need the full counsel of God, but everything bubbles up from that place of love. Everything must be the foundation must be love. And so I just thought that was so funny. When we tell people we're talking about the love of God, they're like, oh, cool, great. That's deep. <laughs>
They don't know. They need. We need. We need a fresh encounter with the love of God. No wonder why so many of us are depressed and and impatient and in sin because we don't know His love for us that deeply. Exactly. And mm. who has who has a uh, corner on it? I mean, it's <laughs> the height, the width, the depth, the length, the all surpassing beyond knowledge, love of God. We're going, we're going to spend our life and probably eternity basking in that love. Mm. When Jesus steps into your room and calls you by name, mm. you're going to know the love of God like never before. There was a he exudes with love. There's something about the life of Jesus teaching on the hillside, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, working miracles, multiplying substance, walking on water, the miracles of Jesus all poured out of him mm. because of the Father's love that gave him to us. Mm-hmm. So the genesis of, mm-hmm. of the gospel is God is love. Mm-hmm. I love the Apostle John. If I had to pick a few favorites in the Bible, um, I would say the Apostle John is one of them, just because he's the one that declared God's love. He's yeah, I'm the one that the I'm, I'm the one that Jesus loves. <laughs> First of all, he identified with the love of God. He knew in his mind he was he was the Lord's favorite, you know. And then also he was the one at the foot of the cross when everyone else left. He was the one he left, but then he came back and he hung out at the foot of the cross. He's the only one that wasn't martyred. They tried to kill him. That couldn't happen. And he got the revelation of all revelations, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. There was just, and he's the one that, you know, his gospel is so unique. And I just, I love the revelation that he carried. I'm sure in your studies, you've done some diving in on John. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that. But then also maybe additionally, was there a time in your life like John? He must have had such an encounter with the love of Jesus, such a revelation of the love of God. Was there a time in your life? Because there's so many believers out there. They love him but they aren't baptized in that fiery love of God. Was there a time where things really shifted for you in, in that revelation? You know, I, I think it's like uh, rungs on a ladder or it's like incremental steps of, of mm. aha, you know, epiphanies of, of bumping into the love of God. And, you know, when I, when I personally encounter his love, it's in a time of need. It's when I, I'm at my worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gives me a kiss instead of a lecture. Mm-hmm. Instead of berating me or condemning me, mm-hmm. he restores my soul and my cup runs over. Mm-hmm. He provides for me in the brooks of bliss a sweet resting place. So the the love that I've experienced in my 52-year journey, I'm older than that, of course, but uh, to, to have, you know, constant encounters with the love of God, hmm. the mountain of my pride melts like wax when I stand before the all-consuming fire of his love. And yes, he's holy. Of course, you know, there's lots of topics in the Bible. I Believe me, I know because I'm translating every single verse. <laughs> yeah. But what fascinates the heart is the love of God. He wired us to respond to love. This is why we get married. This is why we raise families. Mm -hmm. This is why we come together in communities and and churches, because there's a brotherly love, a bond of love that comes between humans. And that Mm -hmm. all comes from the first love of of God toward us. You know, you mentioned first love, if I could make a quick comment on it. Yeah, of course. 
first love is that he first loved us. Mm-hmm. So when when he tells the church at Ephesus to come back to their first love, it's to come back to the love of the Father, to be loved by him. It's the key to our relationships. It's the key to functioning as a believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll never get to the end of your life and wish you hadn't loved. The, uh, what's going to happen is you're going to be consumed I'm sounding like the old guy, but you're going to be consumed by the love of God, and his fire is relentless. He is in a quest after your affections, and the passions of your heart must be bundled up and given over to the God who is love. And when we do that, he fills our being, he saturates our thoughts, and our actions then pulsate with us a power not our own it's the power of his love the greatest power in the universe Mm. is the power of love Mm. and as we walk in the god is love theology then i'm telling you life works uh relationships come to the highest level Mm -hmm. we become forgiving Mm -hmm. passionate and compassionate. Mm-hmm. We extend forgiveness because I have been forgiven so much. Yeah. So how could I withhold uh, that forgiveness to others? So, you know, it's it's love is the pearl of the virtues. It's the one of great price. It's, it links all the other virtues together. And uh, a true Greek scholar will tell you that the love, the fruit of the spirit is singular. It's love. And the other eight are expressions of love. Joy is love exalting. Peace is love at rest. Meekness is love at school. And and all of these fruits of the Spirit all trace back to the one harvest of love. Everything God is doing in your life could uh, could be summed up by saying God is going to make you more loving than you want to be, <laughs> more loving than you ever planned you would be. You're going to end this life with so much more love for your family, and uh, even it'll spill over to enemies, to where you begin to love your foes, your enemies. Mm. Then they're not enemies, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's a quote that I've been reading recently because I've been talking about the practice of the presence of God. So there's a quote by Brother Lawrence that it just kind of bubbled up in my spirit and I wanted to read it because it's exactly what you're talking about. Brother Lawrence said, touched with a sensible regret, I confess to him all my wickedness. I ask his forgiveness and I abandon myself into his hands. Then the king, full of mercy and goodness, very far from chastening me, embraces me with love, makes me eat at his table serves me with his own hands, gives me the keys of his treasures. He converses and he delights with me incessantly in a thousand and a thousand ways, and he treats me in all respects as his favorite. It is thus that I consider myself from time to time in his holy presence. (laughs) Oh, man, Uh, that is, uh, you can't get any better than that. (laughs) Oh, wow. But that is the revelation that draws you close. That is the revelation that brings you in. Like you said, when we talk about first love, it's not strive to love God more. It's focus on his love for you and you're going to burn naturally. Amen. He first loved us. And even brotherly love, our love for our spouse and our children and our friends, it all comes from God, mm-hmm. you know, and it and it all should point to him. Mm-hmm. And when God's love pours through us, we become a vessel of honor. Yeah. We become a woman, a man that is engaged, that is in the moment mm-hmm. and uh, can 
can listen and can respond with truth and love. So come on. <laughs> great topic, man. We could go like six hours on this. Oh, we could. We could. So I know this is a big question. So maybe pick, uh, you know, one or two. But when you read through the Gospel of John or when you were translating the Gospel of John, what are some I know there's probably hundreds but what are some gems that really stuck out to you from the Gospel of John that I'm sure you unpack a little bit um, in this devotional talking about the love of God? Yeah, I do. There's two that stand out immediately to me. One is John 15. It says, I love, verse 9, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. And then he goes on to express how love will keep his commandments. Love will follow and obey his words. We get that. We understand that. So love is so much more than emotion. Mm -hmm. It's not just something that God gives us. It's who he is. Mm -hmm. So when God loves us, he is pouring himself into us. Mm -hmm. And the other is in John 17. It's the prayer of uh, Jesus, and it's similar to John 15, 19. And in John 17, he prays for us that we would understand John 17, I believe it's verse 23. Um, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each of them with the same passionate love you have for me. Mm. So to know that we are loved as much as Jesus is loved by the Father. I mean, how much does Father God love Jesus? That's how much he loves us. Wow. And we're the imperfect ones. We're the not yet ones, you know. Mm. But the perfect Jesus, the love the Father has for his Son, uh, who could describe it? And yet that's the same identical measure of love he has for us. Let me say it better. God does not love Jesus more than he loves you. Mm. That'll blow people's that's powerful. minds. That'll blow people's minds right there. Just, just <laughs> if, if, if there was one reality that we could just meditate on every single day, I'd say that would be the one. <laughs> That yeah, you know, alpha alpha males need this. Oh yeah. Broken men, the the devastated, shattered hearts of fatherless men need this revelation. The broken-hearted woman, the tender, broken gal that has been hurt, abused, rejected, they need this. She needs this. You need this. Every single person on this podcast, viewing or listening, you need the divine kiss of the love of God. There's nothing wrong with you that the love of God cannot cure. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's so amazing. So John 15, I like that you mentioned John 15 because there was uh, a revelation in the beginning of John 15 that you've unpacked before about how Jesus prunes us. And, you know, the whole key, he cuts, you know, the, the, the limbs away and throws them into the fire. That's a translation that many of us know. Can you just unpack that for a minute? Because that is such a beautiful yeah. reality. It, it's John 15 too. And it, it's every branch in me. And the key words is in me. The key words are in me. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Most translations say he takes away. Yeah. Really? 
But if you look carefully at that verb, it is used predominantly for lift up. He will lift up a fruitless branch. Rather than taking you out and destroying you when you have a fruitless month or year or day, he lifts you up. He gives more attention to the weaker members of the body, mm-hmm. just like he tells us to do so. So he gives even more attention to the fruitless people in the body of Christ and to lift them up. What a tender hearted vine dresser. What a tender hearted king and mm-hmm. shepherd that we have. So he's, he's not going to eliminate you because you go through a difficult season of your life where you're not bearing fruit. Um, but you're bearing burdens instead of bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. He's going to lift you up to his heart. He's going to bring you to the nourishment of love and show you even more his, his mercy and loving kindness. Mm-hmm. Later in the chapter, yes, he does prune off the dead branches, but those are not branches in him. Mm-hmm. They are not connected to him. They are dead. We are not dead branches. Mm-hmm. We go through fruitless seasons, but we have the life of Christ in us regardless. Mm, that's a really good clarification for those who are listening, I think, to be like, well, doesn't it say? Well, yeah, it's got that clarity of those who are believers, those who are in Christ Jesus, how he treats us compared to and even those who are dead in their trespasses and sins that have not received Jesus or put their trust in Christ yet. He is pursuing them until the very end. He is, I believe, the mercy. He wants none to perish and all to come to eternal life. And so even the tenderness of God, the pursuit of God, the love of God to chase them down every moment, every hour of the day is just unfathomable as well. It's it's crazy. He's a relentless lover. Mm-hmm. He's all consuming fire and the fire is not anger. It's the fire of love. Revelation chapter one, we see John uh, sees a vision of Jesus wearing the high priest robe, but mm-hmm. his eyes are like fire, mm-hmm. not of anger, but of passion. Mm-hmm. He has a fiery love for us. And believe me, the hottest flame of God is his love for the soul. He's the the lover of my soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people might say, yeah, God is love, you know, but also there's another side of God, right? If you if you mess up a little bit too much or whatever, and I love how first John clarifies and you know, John, he says in first John, I believe it's in first John, he says, in the Father, the Father's pure light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Right. That's Just right. That statement of he, God is love and he is also pure light and there's not even a trace of darkness, bad motive, ill intention, you know, unsanctified anger. There's nothing in God. There's not two sides of God. There's not a loving side. But if you get out of line and we need to understand that because we could say, oh, yeah, he's loving and he's merciful. Absolutely. That's a part of his nature. But no, that's the full. That's who he is in every single way. It's his identity. You know, there's been a huge disinformation campaign against the nature of God. And when you understand this love theology and and it it bleeds into bridal theology where we're the bride of Christ, all that that means. I mean, uh, who's ever had a marriage without love? I mean, a true marriage, there must be a deepening love. And so as the bride of Jesus Christ, men and women, we experience that deepening love relationship that only gets greater mm-hmm. as the years go by. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the love of God, yes, 
He is a father that brings correction to us in times and seasons of our life, but it is unto holiness. It is unto life and life abundant. He doesn't want things in our lives hurting us, ailing us. He doesn't want us hurting others because of our pain, because of our distortions. So he comes in tenderly as a father with his word, and he brings adjustments and corrections to us all in the name of love, all in the heart of love to bring us into fullness, to bring us into life so that uh, he just glistens out of every area of our of our lives into our relationships. Wow. I would wow. just I would just say, yeah, like, you know, it's a common phrase that we hear a lot now, but the love of God wants to free us from everything that hinders love in our lives. Yeah. You know, I'd encourage everybody to to meditate. Stop sometime today and just meditate on those three words. God is love. And when the thought rises up that says, well, don't take it too far or yeah, but kill it, kill those thoughts mm, and yes. just focus on God is love. And I, I think, I think it's, it will revolutionize your view of God, your view of other people, how you relate to heaven mm-hmm. and to your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I've, I've said it a hundred times, Michael, mm. forgive me for repeating, but you can never be too loving. Mm. And people facetiously talk about sloppy agape. Listen, I'll take all the sloppy agape (laughs) dish out. (laughs) It is sloppy. I mean, look at who he loves. He loves former rebels. He loves people that blasphemed him like me and that lived a life of sin like me. And he loves us so dearly, so deeply tenderhearted as any father towards a child, so much is his great love for us. Like a river overflowing his banks is the love of God. It overflows. It cascades. It's an avalanche. It's a geyser. Words fail us. If I had a dictionary dictionary stacked in every language from here to the moon, it wouldn't contain enough words to describe the love of God. So just meditate on those words. And I know it will change your life. Mm. This is my this is my last question for you, and I think that it might be it might be a little loaded, and so I apologize. So, however you want to answer <laughs> it, however you want to answer it. But for those who are reading through Genesis to Malachi, and they're reading Matthew to Revelation, they're just all over the Word of God, and they see a passage that does not seem loving, right? In terms of God's expression to humanity. Um, especially as a Bible translator, you've broken open a lot of these words in the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic. What would you say to somebody who may be a new believer or somebody that doesn't have a ton of Bible education? How, how can they go about when they see a passage that makes them think like, ooh, that doesn't seem right to me? How can they, what's a simple way of expressing to them, you got to see the love of God even in those passages? Yeah, well, start at the beginning, that God blessed his creation Mm-hmm. Uh, as a loving father. So everything from Genesis to maps is going to unfold the love of God. I see it written on the pages of the book of Revelation. I see it written on the pages of Leviticus, Deuteronomy. I see it throughout the word of God. So maybe stop when you're reading that passage that bewilders you and how could this be a God of love? Stop and let the Lord speak to your heart. Maybe you're reading the, the uh, maybe you're reading it wrong. Maybe you're understanding it wrongly. So give God a break, all right? And let him show you through his scriptures. You know, 
the Ten Commandments, everybody talks about the law and and all of that. I, I see Mount Sinai as a wedding. Mm-hmm. And uh, from Egypt to Sinai is a long aisle. The bride walked down the aisle mm-hmm. of, of the wilderness from Egypt to Sinai. He saw Israel, his beautiful bride, coming to him at the fiery mountain mm-hmm. and the ketubah, the wedding contract. Mm-hmm. It, it, did you know it had to have seven seals on that wedding contract? The ketubah, the Hebrew concept of marriage, is a contract, a covenant where we have vows. The Jews had this ketubah, and seven signatures or seven seals were on that that document to show that God has blessed that that marriage. And we have uh, the seven sealed book in the Revelation, don't we? Mm-hmm. But the so many times translating Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, especially I had I had my own moments in the book of Judges trying to uh, decipher and see the love of God in some of those passages. And I'm not saying I have an answer to all of them, but nothing is going to move me away from the goodness of God and knowing that He is love. He's not judgment. He's a judge, but He's not judgment. And He is love. Not just giving you love, he is that substance. So, mm. yeah, just let let the Holy Spirit interpret it for you. Mm. Amen. Okay, one more question. It'll be a quick one. I'm sorry, I yes. was I was uh, I was like I said one more question, but I'm a preacher, so I've got another question. Okay, <laughs> just quickly for those who are maybe um, trying to step out of legalistic theology, um, angry God theology, um, and really embrace the love of God. Maybe they should stay out of the minor prophets, uh, not because it's not truth, but they need a foundation of the love of God to be able to interpret them rightly. But what books would you say to read and to dwell on to really help them in this season? Well, from you know, for 2,000 years, believers have loved the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. And I think more recently, I have fallen in love with the Song of Songs, the greatest song of the ages. Mm-hmm. And I see the, the love of a bridegroom for a bride in that beautiful divine soliloquy. It is uh, an opera. It's a symphony of love. It, every single verse pulsates with the love of God. There's no angry rebuke. Mm-hmm. He matures a bride by putting a crown on her head and watching her grow up to fit it. He calls things that are not as though they are. And the Song of Songs revolutionized my life and ministry, changed me in the deepest part of my being, mm-hmm. reading and, and uh, understanding the song of the ages yeah, and uh, so knowing good. that it's not, not uh, sexuality, it's spirituality. Mm. And when you jump over that hurdle and realize that you're the Shulamite and he is greater than Solomon, he's the king mm-hmm. of our heart, then we can step into divine romance. Mm. You know, I've had, I've had my friends say, Brian, we, we love what you do and everything, but man, you teach so much on the, this divine romance stuff, you're, you're feminizing the church. Mm. I said, well, really? Well, Jesus isn't coming back for a husband. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. It's so back for a radiant bride. That's right. We're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> Get over it, guys. <laughs> Clothed with the good works of the saints, a glorious, beautiful bride. And so, all right, come on. So how could people, um, get a hold of your ministry, get a hold of this devotional. What's I, I believe you have a one-stop shop for people to find out more. 
Yeah, uh, com is our website. And uh, I steer people to Amazon for the uh, devotionals and some of our books. We no longer have an online bookstore. We're letting our you know, we're letting other distribution channels handle mm-hmm. all of our products, but yeah, passion and fire will tell you a lot about us and what we're doing, what we're about. And then the passion translation.com is a great place where we have uh, uh, FAQs that we answer. Uh, we name the scholars that are working with me. We have all kinds of information on that site as well. Mm, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It means a lot. My wife and I love you a lot. We believe in your ministry. We believe in what you're doing. We're grateful for you. Um, I tell this to a lot of people. I say, hey, listen, Brian's not just teaching the love of God. He lives the love of God. And that is, that's very, very important because a lot of people could seem loving. A lot of people could say, you know, talk about the love of God. But when it comes to living the love of God and exuding it, it's totally different. And so anyways, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's an honor every time I get a chance to talk to you. Thanks, Michael. Love you, friend. <laughs> All right. Love you, too. <laughs> For those who are watching or listening right now, thank you so much. Make sure make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they could be blessed, they could be strengthened, they could be awakened by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless you, and I'll speak to you next time on Awakened Podcast. <laughs>Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, Just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org, lifepouredoutintl.org, or you can go to destinyimage.com. The audiobook is available as well on amazon.com as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com and so bless you guys grab a copy of immersed in his glory thank you